Clemson championship team, the national championship team, will be coming tonight. It'll be exciting. A uh, very great team, an unbelievable team. They'll be coming tonight. And I think we're going to serve McDonald's, Wendy's, and Burger King's with some pizza. I really mean it. It'll be interesting. And I would think that's their favorite food. So we'll see what happens. But they're coming tonight, the national champions. I reference McDonald's a lot because I go to McDonald's. I love the silence that follows that statement. <laughs> like I just admitted to support dog fighting or something. <laughs> How could you? McDonald's. It's fun telling people you go to McDonald's. They always give you that look like, oh, I didn't know I was better than you. No one admits to going to McDonald's. They sell six billion hamburgers a day. There's only 300 million people in this country. It's like, hmm, I'm not a calculus teacher, but I think everyone's lying. And why is McDonald's still counting? 40 jillion, 80 million, zillion, billion, killion, tillion? What, 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 what is this? Does it mean anything to anyone? 89 billion sold. Okay. You've sold a lot of hamburgers, whatever the hell the number is. Just put up a sign, McDonald's, we're doing very well. I don't need to hear about every goddamn one of them. What the hell is this? What would you say you do here? It's Stone's Weekly Dose. Very hard to say my name correctly. Like, Brian! Yeah, Brian! What's your deal, man? Your midweek download destination. I like his style. He has a sort of casual elegance. I'm slaying lame and I'm exposing frauds. This is pathetic. This is embarrassing. Mic drop. Turn off the podcast. It's Stone's Weekly Dose. And note to self, don't die. Welcome in, everybody, to the supposed for-profit venture known as the Stone On Air podcast, the second edition of the new year, 2019. It's the 16th, so I guess we could still get away with saying Happy New Year, but much past this, there's no need. This is the Weekly Dose for January 16th, 2019. I should have a pretty good show for you today, if I do say so myself. Of course, I generally like to think if I put my stamp of approval on it, it is always going to be at least somewhat uh, entertaining. I guess that's up for you out there to decide. But the goal is, whenever I'm doing a spoken word thing, a radio show, broadcasting of any kind, I try my damnedest to never half-ass it and never to mail it in, even though I know occasionally we all do that, even when we strive to not do that with the things that are important to us. But generally speaking, that is, uh, that's the goal anyway. And as I mentioned, that's, uh, that's up to you to decide, I guess, in the end. A traditional three-segment show today. I'll quickly lay out the segments here right on the front end, and then I will get the little kind of... Uh, potpourri, uh, mishmash kind of stuff out of the way here at the front end and to get to the first segment. In the second segment of the show, it's going to kind of bounce around a little bit, but it's going to start off with uh, more discussion of the shutdown, more specifically about the wall and the word ethnocentric if you uh, or ethnocentricism or if that's how you say it if you'd like to pause the show you could do that do so now and go look the word up or we can wait until we get to that segment and i'm going to use a couple of different uh, anecdotal stories of relationships i have or at least run-ins i have to kind of expand on some of that plus we're going to go revisit the old audio vault and lindsey graham is just so uh, he's so matter of fact he's so definitive out there and uh, just dug up some old audio from him. And overall, does American government really even work anymore? I mean, is this is this even possible to continue going forward for the next uh, generation or two? All that wrapped up into the second segment. And I'll I'll surprise you maybe one or two um, angles I go. Probably not surprise you at all at a couple other angles. But I, I'm I'm gonna have fun with that segment with some audio. And then in the third segment going to have a little bit more of that same kind of thinking um, from the second segment. It'll kind of piggyback into the next and jumping to conclusions, uh, fake outrage. The latest is this Gillette 
um, shaving, uh, not shaving cream, but shaving razors, I guess, shaving cream too, the whole industry, their, their new commercial, they have, they've done the same thing, taking a page out of Nike's playbook and, um, and, and the fake outrage on, uh, towards that campaign, uh, uh, that, that was just launched on Tuesday. I'll, uh, I'll kind of look into, uh, that and tell you pretty much why they did it and why it makes perfect sense and why the fake outragers are just that fake so let's see on the front end here okay so the other day i was having constant um plumbing issues and i luckily i got a couple of um of suggestions for chase plumbing chase plumbing here locally i'll be calling them here in the next few days uh but i had a uh, without boring everybody with the story because it's not I, I get it it's not that interesting i had a um a couple of problems and i and i'm Pretty sure that some of them are caused by the company that was out here, Mr. Rooter, and I got kind of ribbed and made fun of, like, "Oh, hey, you're the you're the idiot who keeps calling the same company." Well, I thought that they might have caused the problem, so I had I didn't have to, but I wanted to call the same company to try to get it resolved or at least discuss with them what in the world's going on here. And three times in a row with zero callbacks, it was very very frustrating. And so, if you listen to the podcast every week, you already know that. So I uh, made one of the little, they call them videos, but they're just little social media um, ways to like just self-promote your your audio files in a little video kind of format and where you can just put a picture. I, I think it's pretty fun to put them together, and I think it's a great way to uh, to kind of showcase a show in little 60-second, you know, 30-second blast to try to grab people's attention. So I put this out on Twitter, face, uh, Facebook, Instagram, everywhere, tagged it all, at mentioned everything. Um, so for full details, this is from Twitter, at Stone on Air. For full details, check out the latest podcast. I would not recommend at Mr. Rooter if prompt communication, satisfactory follow-up, and reasonable prices are important to you. Hashtag accountability, hashtag service, hashtag value. And I did get a response back from them on the 14th, so that would have been two days ago. And you know they have these automated things where I, you know maybe somebody who actually has a brain in their head saw this. Maybe they didn't, I don't know. But it says, good morning, Brian. Thanks for bringing this to our attention at the corporate level. We're connecting with uh, this independently owned and operated franchise location to follow up on your concerns. Thank you. And uh, do I believe that that's actually happening? No, I don't. But I've turned the page with Mr. Reuter. I will not be doing any business with that company ever again. And I would suggest you don't do any business with that company. But as of right now, so I can still take a shower. I can still flush one of my toilets. And I've just got something catching the drip on another uh, problem I have uh, underneath the sink. It's just so weird how this has all kind of happened at once. But I'll get that taken care of sooner than later. Let's see what else. So on the front end there, the uh, the Trump stuff, having Clemson over and having a bunch of fast food. You know, I don't know what to think about that. This president is so weird. The things that this administration does is just odd. You know, sometimes it's just like, what is what is going on in the head of some of these people? But Reggie Bush, one of the greatest high, uh, college uh, running backs I've ever seen with my own two eyes. And I used to watch a lot of college football between the years 1997 and 2000, I don't know, six or seven, maybe eight, maybe as as, as uh, far up as to about 2008, but towards the end of the first decade of the 21st century, I stopped watching college football that much. Reggie Bush was a running back for USC in 2005 and was incredible and probably cheated like crazy too, at least as far as um, the NCAA standards are concerned as far as being eligible to play, not cheated as far as you know enhancing drugs, or at least not that we know of. Uh, so at Reggie Bush, just when you think you've seen it all, at Clemson football, you guys deserve better. You are world champs. Well, they're national champs, but okay. And this is the honor you receive from our nation's leader, question mark, exclamation point. This is disrespectful on so many levels. Just a huge slap in the face after the kind of performance. Shake my head. SMH from Reggie Bush. There was another blurb I saw I didn't print off uh, from the uh, quarterback of Clemson who said he thought it was fine. You know, I don't know. These are 19 to 22-year-old kids. Do they really care all that much what they're eating? Do they put a lot of thought into that in a setting like this, traveling to D.C. to meet the president? Yeah, probably not, but it just seemed... It just seemed weird. That's all. That's all. And before I get to the first segment here, 
I am already tired of this uh, this this cold weather. I know it's been mild. I get it's been mild, but once again, I'm still running into people when I want to talk about, or you know, the conversation comes up that's not complete throwaway. How's the weather? Small talk. Like, oh well, no, this ain't cold. You don't know what cold is. Now, Chicago has this, and D.C. has uh, five feet of snow, and the Northeast, and out in Kansas City, and Minnesota. Listen, I'm not. I ain't concerned about anywhere else in the country or the world, for that matter. I live in this area of the world for a reason. If I wanted to be buried by snow, I'd be in Denver, Colorado right now if I had my choice. I'm here because of the mild, generally mild uh, winters we get, and when I'm cold, my body doesn't work right, and it frustrates me and i don't need to hear you tell me about what it's like everywhere else they don't have anything to do with me all right so here in the first segment i want to just this is this this thing blew my mind i have a a, a a girlfriend these days she is incredible i um am absolutely in love with her and we are about nine years apart in age so there is not a complete generational gap but there is there is a little bit and really, we at the end of the day, ideologically, we come around and have basically the same end result of an opinion. We just get there in different ways. And I, I'm finding out, I'm realizing that that's okay, but for years, I wasn't sure necessarily that it was. Anytime somebody would say something definitive or, ha- or be ideologically strong opinioned on something, I would want to know why they thought that. I want to know why you're a Christian. I want to know why you're a Democrat. I want to know why you are a Republican. I want to know why you're a feminist. I want to know why you take this strong stance because any old asshole can walk around and just start taking stances. Anybody can be sitting in a, you know, in a chat room and hear somebody else say something and parrot and mimic that thought, that, that uh, narrative, right? Anybody can do that. It's, it's like the textbook in, uh, in high school. I think primarily usually, what, the math textbooks, right? You can look the answer up in the back of the book. Every, every problem that you had to solve had the answer in the back of the book, but the teacher wasn't just going to take the answer because clearly any of us could have gotten the answer. You had to show how you, how you worked your way towards that answer to make sure you convinced her or anybody else who cared at that point that you actually knew why you were doing what you were doing. And I used to think that there was only one, you know, or one A and one B of a way to get to a certain uh, to a certain opinion. And that might not be entirely true. That was probably unfair um, on my part. So a lot of times me and her will be talking about things, and in the end we agree, but how we got there was totally different. And I've I'm learning to understand that that's okay because it's just it's it's just generational mindset change that makes people think of things differently. And so all that to say this, uh, one more thing before I get to that point. Back at the old talk radio station, if you guys remember, if you're listeners, you certainly do, or if you've been around this city at all, you know who Jed Mescon is. And he's a 25-year uh, uh, media veteran in this city, and now he's a big wig at Memorial Hospital. And he hosted a lot of different radio shows, mostly pay-for-play, basically bought the time, sold it. Really boring stuff, but he made some decent money doing it. And he would be, re- he would be a guest on some of the shows we would do. And he would always say, when it came to surveillance, when it came to Big Brother, when it came to uh, tapped phone lines, um, invasion of privacy, he would say, as long as you're not doing anything wrong, then you shouldn't have anything to worry about. And to a certain degree, I subscribe to that theory a little bit. I've always not been that concerned about uh, the, the over-surveillancing of, uh, of, of the world or certainly of our country. That Because if you're just not doing anything wrong, nobody cares. Because my thought is nobody cares about you. So Jeff Stiles termed that line of thinking Mescanites. That if you, if, you just, if you subscribe to the theory that as long as you're not doing anything wrong, then nothing you know nothing's bad's going to happen to you that is a mesconite and the point being is well at least not for now right what what if what you think is not getting you trouble in trouble later will and i understand that argument as well it's just you know sometimes when you rank the things you spend the amount of time caring about that's always been one i didn't put a lot of thought into but 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 Recently, I've been talking to uh, to her, and we've been t- and, and she mentioned something about our phones spying on us, our calls being tapped, 
our apps being monitored, something along those lines. And keep in mind, she's glued to her phone a hell of a lot more than I am, but I'm on mine a bunch too. I am a hand in the air, guilty as charged, on my phone too often too. And I was just, I laughed it off. I laughed, I was just, yeah, come on. My, th- this, this phone is not surveillancing me. It's not monitoring my every move. There's not a person in the world that gives two bleeps about what I'm doing right now. It's more complicated than that. It's incredibly more complicated than that. And here's why I've all of a sudden come around to this line of thinking. Three things. Three things. One, I'm not going to tell you what it is specifically because it's something that I'm looking in for a gift idea for her. But that was one. And then there was two more. Target advertising, right? We all know what that is. If you, As soon as you search something, because everything's all, the, the cloud's all interconnected, then all of a sudden you start seeing ads for that. That, that makes sense. I get it. Does it feel like an invasion of privacy? Probably, but it, and that's another argument I have is nobody really cares about privacy because if you did, you wouldn't be on Facebook. Like, so come on, get real. But so targeting adverti- advertising, I completely understand. But three things that as far as I know and as far as I can tell were only in my head ended up becoming ads on my social media. So there's the one thing that I won't say out loud because she listens and this is a gift-giving idea. So we'll leave that one. And if it was just the one thing, then there, this would not be a, a segment. I'd only thought about it for five seconds and moved along. Because I would have assumed that I clicked on something that I forgot. But these other two, I know I did not. And my neighbors are going to be portions of a subject matter of this show twice. Once now, once in the second segment. Latino Descent. And they have, they've turned their house, their yard, they're fenced in with a disgustingly stupid looking chain link fence into a dog pound over there, right next to me. There's four at least I see running around. I think there's a fifth. And these GD dogs bark their asses off at anything that moves outside the house. And it is borderline infuriating. And just the other night, we're standing outside having a cigarette or whatever. And there go the damn dogs. And she says something about, there's this thing that it's like a dog whistle, basically. I get the concept. It's a high-pitched sound. Usually, I don't, dog calling things, I don't know. But she's like, these, they, they, they teach, you know, negative reinforce to stay away and not bark. And we need to get one of those and just have it out here. And every time they're out here, just, just, you know, blast them with it. And I was like, if it works, that's the best idea ever. I hate dogs. Even if it gives them mild pain, it wouldn't bother me to get them the hell out of here. Well, I never searched that. I don't even know what I would look up other than dog whistle. And all of a sudden, I'm getting ads on my social media for that exact product. And you could explain it away that maybe she was on my phone or on my computer and did a search. But I can tell you right now, unless... She's sneaking behind me and going through all my stuff. She doesn't use my computer and phone because she has her own computer and phone. And I'm getting dog whistle or dog uh, barking deterrent devices in my feed. And I had not ever done anything but had that conversation in the middle of the night in the last few days. All right, so there you go. There's two. Now, maybe if there was just two, I would say, all right, there's got to be something here that I'm missing. And I do always say this, there's always a logical explanation for everything. Oh, you think you saw a ghost? Nope. There's a logical explanation for what actually happened. Oh, you think that there was some kind of miracle provided by some kind of deity? No, I can explain that away if I try hard enough. Well, now I'm on my third one in the course of four days, five days. There's this show on one of the channels, HG, whatever, called Windy City Rehab. And on Sunday, we were lying around, and I usually do American Pickers from History Channel or something like that to pass the time when I just want something on in the background, and I didn't feel like digging through Netflix and all that, and she's already making fun of me because I got the regular cable on, blah, blah, blah. And so I'm flipping through, and I'm like, I can't find anything. Oh, geez, I just want something just just to barely be on, uh, to pay attention to. And she said, oh, hey, Windy City Rehab. That's good to have in the background. And it's this uh, this woman who's the main host of it who uh, buys and sells and flips and uh, turns houses and and, uh, townhouses and different kind of properties in Chicago and flips them, and these are million-dollar properties. Okay, I have never heard of this show in my life. Never. And we wa- it's on for like a half hour to an hour until I was like, this is this sucks. Like, I don't need to watch this anymore. And so let's watch a movie. Let's just do something else. Football game's coming on, whatever it was. 
and I turn it off, and I never think of it again. And there is not a chance in hell that I stopped at any given time to do any kind of Google search, to look at anything on Facebook or any social media, to look up Windy City Rehab. As a matter of fact, I made the note to self in my phone, in my memo pad, when that happened, because I knew I would forget. And when I put together the show today and trying to remember what the three things were, I couldn't for the life of me even remember what the show was called. I had to go back to my phone in the memo pad in the last 30 minutes to remember what the third uh, ad advertisement targeted ad that i had seen that's how little i know about this show i couldn't have googled it i don't even know what it's called and i'm getting advertisements for windy city rehab with no way to to logically explain how any algorithm could have possibly ever picked up that i had sat down through cable television and watched even five seconds of this show so maybe <laughs> maybe maybe i am being watched maybe i am being surveillanced maybe it is big brother that is absolutely watching every single step and it's not just your google and activity and it's not just your facebook activity or your twitter or your instagram or your snapchat or your whatsapp or whatever the hell the next app is that i haven't even heard of yet maybe there really is something to this, you're being watched, they're listening, everything you do is being surveillanced. I can't logically explain it away. Maybe it actually is true. Coming up next, Trump wants a wall. We know that. Ethnocentrism is a thing, and it doesn't mean you're racist. And just kind of asking the question about the American government and whether it works anymore, what are we doing? What are we doing? That's coming up next on the Stone on Air podcast. Stone on Air will be right back. He's cool. Stoneonair.com. We will build a great wall along the southern border. I say, absolutely we're going to build a wall, 100%. They go, well, you don't really mean that. That was like when I first started in June. I said right from the beginning, we're going to build a wall. It's going to be a real wall. Okay, you ready? Who's going to pay for the wall? A hundred percent. I would build a great wall, and nobody builds walls better than me, believe me. I will build a great, great wall on our southern border, and I will have Mexico pay for that wall. Build 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 that wall. Welcome back. You, you just heard that just like I did, too, right? <laughs> that was, um, I don't know, it was before the election. So over two years ago. Do you hear that nonsense, those numb nuts? And just the, God, what a weird guy. Donald Trump's just such a weird person. And he is a, I mean, he's a game changer. He's a, he's a potential world changer, but he is effing weird. Now, he might be smart, but he is an odd, odd cat. You got a heart so big, it could crush this town, and I can't hold out forever, even walls fall down. So in the end, right now what's holding up the government from being open is five and a half billion dollars. And I'm just going to look at um, at my Twitter feed here real quick from, let's see, when was this? I don't know, last few days, within the last week. And um, the tweet was from National Debt Tweets, and it is a verified account, which means at least if Twitter has done their job right, that the, uh, the information uh, coming from these accounts are verified as actual sources or the actual person that they say they are. So if some, uh, you know, some jackass just wants to say, hey, we're a hundred million trillion bazillion dollars in debt. Well, that's not a verified account. That's just, you know, nonsense. This is national debt tweets. And it's just shy of 22 
trillion dollars at last check, and it goes up every single day and every single year, and it's been happening basically since 1980, and it's really been happening big time since 2003, really, but really picking up in six, seven, eight, certainly in nine with uh, Barack Obama's. Uh, uh, what is it? The America Reinvestment Act, which saved the economy, by the way. Oh, and funded your EPB fiber optics. Yes, that is a fact. You can look it up. Yeah, because I mean, we don't like socialism or socialistic ideas and uh, government funded projects unless it gives us the fastest internet in the world. And then we're totally all right with it. Anyway, the point being is that the, the debt has been escalating at an alarming number for over a decade, if not closer to a decade and a half. And it is my contention that nobody cares. It's not a real talking point. It only is used when you're running out of other ideas. Nobody cares about, generally speaking, their own personal debt. And most people walking around don't care about the national debt. So here's what I'm thinking as maybe a a, a democratic, uh, strategic kind of approach to this. Is give them the $5.5 billion. That's That's not hardly any money. Let it go to whatever they, however they do. I'm sure half of it will get wasted. Putting up some border fencing is not gonna is not gonna be a major detriment to the United States. It's just not. Is it a good idea? I don't think so. Is it a waste of money? I absolutely believe so. But does five billion get wasted every other minute? It feels like. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. It feels like it. If it opens the government back up, give them the five and a half billion dollars. And then you can turn this around as political spin because that's all that American government has become. More on that when I talk about whether this is working anymore. All American government is is spinning things around to work for the the, the greatest amount of electorate that you think is going to vote for you next. Hence, again, why why this is just no longer working. You could turn this into a, oh, hey, did you hear the front of uh, Stone on Air's, Brian's uh, podcast, the second segment on January 16th, where the crowd was chanting Mexico, and then Don Trump starts screaming and chanting Mexico like a crazed lunatic? How about we use that against him as he held the government hostage for $5.5 billion, and then this is what he made out, made, turned it into, which in the next two years isn't going to turn into hardly anything because that's just not a lot of time. Use it as a, as a strategy. The people who are sitting around watching uh, the, the cable news right now and can't get off their phone and are mesmerized by a Reddit post are going to forget about this in a couple of weeks. You can use this to your advantage. $5.5 billion is nothing. Here's a tweet that I at, uh, tweeted the national debt tweets. If we give dipship Trump $5 billion for the dumb effing border fence, this number jumps the, 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 the national debt, that is. If we took only the money from uh, borrowed sources, which I don't, you know, I'm not smart enough to, ex- to explain that away, but the national debt right now would go from $21.917 trillion, $21.917 trillion to $21.922 trillion. Seriously? 0.917 to 0.922. Give him his $5 billion and let him hang himself with it. Just do it. I mean, if the, if the Democrats could get out of their own way and stop doing the same old thing over and over again and just try, I, I, they just can't get out of their own way, period. And I, I, th- this House majority might be a short-lived thing if they can't figure out how to handle this over the next two years. Give them this damn $5.5 billion and use it against them and open up the government and be the ones who were the adults in the room and actually made something happen. God, this, I'm not very smart. Why can't somebody in, within the walls of the Democratic Party realize that this makes sense and nobody cares about $5 billion? So move on from that just a little bit. I've always talked about how politicians aren't dumb, generally speaking. I don't think Don Trump's dumb. I just think he's he's senile. He's odd. He's a, he's a very, very weird individual who words things poorly and is just, just you know, a, a narcissistic egomaniac. That's, you know, fine, whatever. But nobody cares about what anybody did or didn't say before. Nobody cares about what anybody else's past actions are. Nobody holds anybody accountable for anything. Do this, make the concession, and then remember that the majority of your constituents are too brain dead to remember what happened last year, let alone last week. And certainly the Republicans are brain dead enough to remember what their leaders said just two years ago. I'm not going to try to get into the mind of Donald Trump because I don't think there's a whole lot of space there. I think he's a kook. I think he's crazy. I think he's unfit for office. 
and I'm a Republican and he's not. He's not a conservative Republican, he's an opportunist. He could shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue and 25 or 30 percent of the people would still follow him because he gives a voice to their anger and their frustration. But he's not fit to be President of the United States. 70 percent of the people will not vote for Donald Trump. He's completely unelectable. He has an 80 percent disapproval rating with the fastest growing demographic in America, the Hispanic community with growth potential. 60 percent of the people in the recent poll believe that Donald Trump would be the most likely best candidate to beat Hillary Clinton or Bernie Sanders. With all due respect, you're absolutely dead wrong. Okay. We would get slaughtered as a party if Donald Trump's our nominee. And quite frankly, we would deserve it. <laughs> There's Lindsey Graham two years ago talking about how the, his 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 approval ratings are so low with the Hispanic community, the Latino community. You want to know why he was saying that? Because he was trying to get their vote and didn't care about a border wall or the supposed humanitarian crisis, which is a made up situation at the immediate border itself. I think he's a kook. I think he's crazy. I think he's unfit for office. This is a guy now that sits around taking up for every word he says and is holding the Senate hostage right now and won't let anything go to the president's desk because he knows he won't sign it. And uh, and he'll just make him feel stupid. And, and it, he, you, you can't do that with this president and this broken ass party. And I think overall the broken ass political system all the way around. So, okay, uh, Brian, yeah, Lindsey Graham that one day just went a little off because, I don't know, he just kind of lost it that one day. But, you know, that's about it, right? Uh, no, it's not quite that easy. He's going to take all the problems of the world and put them in a box and make your life better. That's what he's selling. Here's what you're buying. He's a race-baiting, xenophobic, religious bigot. He doesn't represent my party. He doesn't represent the values that the men and women who wear the uniform are fighting for? No, he doesn't. And no, everybody understood that from the beginning, and everybody said what they had to say to destroy Donald Trump and say things like... He's a race-baiting, xenophobic, religious bigot. Ted Cruz would say what he said. He's a pathological liar. He has no morals, all these things. And nobody cares or remembers because the base of this of of this television program, this South Parkification of America, is exactly what what Hillary Clinton described them as. Deplorable. It's a perfect word. Not Republicans, not conservative value leaning uh, Americans, the people who are at the rallies going Mexico. They're deplorable people. They're so disgustingly weird and stupid themselves. They then have then they think it's fun to call themselves deplorables. It's absolutely uh, as dumb as we ever thought it was going to get. And I'm just telling Democrats, stop, stop messing around with this. Give them the five and a half billion. Give them the five and a half billion, and let him uh, hang himself with it, because that's what I believe. In the end, he will do. Um. But it's working in a lot of ways because a lot of Americans are ethnocentric. And I would I would almost go out so far to say just about every American is ethnocentric. And I would go as far as saying is almost every culture and community in the world is ethnocentric. What is that? I've talked about it over the years. It was one of the only things I ever learned in uh, what was a damn anthropology. In the anthropology class I took at Chattanooga State, one of the more difficult classes that I remember taking towards the tail end of me going to school there, we had to do you know tests and you had to go through the, the vocabulary to learn the words. And the one that always stuck out was ethnocentrism and ethnocentric. And what that basically means is, is that you think that your, your culture, the way you live your life, is superior to others. It's basing it, it's it's a judgment of other cultures based on the perceived notions you have of yours and theirs going in. In other words, it's a way you could almost say the way racism is looked at. But it's not. It's just what you know, what you've come to believe in. And it's and nobody, you know, there's not a it's not the E-word. Oh my God, did you hear about Jim? Yeah, he caught caught saying some ethnocentric things on Twitter. Oh my God. I mean, it's it's it, but it's a real thing. And it's something that most all of us do. I'm going to tell you two really quick stories uh, that's happened over the course of, well, the last couple of years and the last uh, month, uh, anecdotally here. So I get why people are latching on to what Trump and the, and the narrative is becoming from his administration is that they're, they're scaring the shit out of people. 
and making you think that there's there's this immediate danger when there really isn't. Now, is there dangerous areas and, and situations that involve Mexico and United States relations? You're damn right there is. There's also incredibly dangerous uh, drug trade going on in, the, in our major hospitals and pharmaceutical companies and doctors all over the country either, uh, as well, I should say. So, I mean, yeah. Is there is there something to be concerned about there? Of course there is. Is border security a major concern? Absolutely it is. And I don't think many people, or if anybody, for that matter, who's got a clear-headed, uh, you know, show, head on their shoulders, would say would say that that's not the case. But there's not an immediate threat. There's not a humanitarian crisis, and building a fence or a wall or a whatever because that's what he was screaming and yell, yelling and hollering about and rebel rousing at all these rallies. And he knows he's got a a campaign trail he's got to come up with here soon. And if he doesn't come through on this promise then he you know he could really feel feel threatened to not be reelected and you know in Trump's world and Trump's team that would be the ultimate you know kick in the nuts so this is something that has to happen that doesn't mean the democrats still can't turn it around in their favor but so here's so here's what i meant by the two stories so um, i have my neighbors they are latino descent and they live a very different culture than i do now they are americanized latinos speak very good english I have talked to them off and on occasionally. Um, we are, I would consider, friendly neighbors. But these are Mex or, or let me just say, Latino-born um, uh, Latinos. They are not just—they're not second or third generation American Latinos. They did not—they were not born in America. So the way they live, the way their property looks, the way their traffic does and doesn't come to that, you know, to and from the house is nothing like I'm used to. I don't like it. I'm not a fan of this. I don't think it's helped the property value. Well, let me rephrase that. I know it hasn't helped the property value. It's a very nice house next to mine. There's Commissioner Tim Boyd. He was my uh, neighbor for years, for uh, damn near 10 years. Current Hamilton County Commissioner Tim Boyd from District 8, his father built the house next door and the house that I live in now. Remember that asshole county commissioner that tried to extort Brent Lambert during the campaign last year? Yeah, he was my neighbor for years conservative, buttoned up, didn't like me. I didn't like him, but we got along fine. And I've been inside his house and it's a very nice, uh, redone, uh, you know, house built the same time as mine is much nicer than mine. And they've come in and as far as I'm concerned, trash the place and there's dogs everywhere and they're barking and there's crap all in the yards and there's, there's lots of traffic. There's kids toys everywhere. There's the trampoline that's half broken. Now there's a playhouse, no kids even on anymore. It's, it's annoying. It's annoying. And I don't like it because culturally I don't understand it. And they don't think it's anything different from anybody else's culture because culturally, they don't think there's anything wrong with it. And that's where ethnocentrism comes in. And I think we're all like that. And then when it's somebody is bombastic and, and, and over the top saying that these people are going to kill you, then paranoid you know, numb nuts that can't think for themselves start getting even more scared, and then they're emboldened by a, uh, a big, weird, talking, you know, all-over-the-place rebel rouser like Don Trump. So there's that first anecdotal situation of ethnocentric behavior. Well, the other day, I was going down, where was I headed? I was headed to a show. I don't remember what it was, but I was going downtown on a Friday or Saturday, and I got an Uber. And I noticed that the Uber driver was having a lot of trouble figuring out where my house is. It's a little tricky the first time. I text, hey, you need to do this, this, this. No response. Text, you need to do this. No response. I called. No answer. The guy finally pulls up. Really nice, uh, brand new Ford, loaded car. And I get in. I'm like, hey, man, sorry about that. I was trying to get a hold of you. And he didn't say no English, but he said something along the lines of, based on the little interpretation I can do, limited English, a lim- limited uh, something or other. And I thought, oh, okay, well, that explains why he couldn't find me. We get on the interstate. He's taking me downtown. He jumps off the wrong exit immediately. Gets back on, jumps right back off the wrong exit right after that. I'm trying to talk to him, but he can't speak a word of English. His entire car the, all the, the headboard and the inlay and the din dash is all in Spanish. The music playing is Spanish music like you would be hearing in a Mexican restaurant. And the guy can't speak a word of English. And it took three times a time it took to get me where I'm going because we're having a cultural barrier here. Was I happy about it? 
No, I wasn't infuriated because I wasn't necessarily late, but it was very annoying to know that I can't communicate with this person in my in this car in this transaction that I'm trying to take place here in my you know my community, the area that I live in. It was my ethnocentric attitude that was pissing me off because this is outside of my cultural norms, and we all do that. So, but when you put a a, a bombastic demagogue in front of all the TV cameras and all the social medias, and it gets shared around and passed around amongst all the numbnuts and all the dullards all over social media, and fear and intimidation is used to try to manipulate the consumer, ethnocentric behavior and attitudes can quickly turn into racist, bigoted attitudes. And people who are already on the fence as to whether they were that way already or not are now emboldened by a lot of things they see. Not necessarily from weirdo Trump, but from the people who spread the message on the social media platforms that are so damn powerful and so damn dangerous. It's okay to be ethnocentric. It's okay to think you're better than a culture that you just don't like or you don't you don't agree with. It's not okay to be a racist bigot. And there's not a huge difference between the two. But the bombastic demagogue can turn anybody's opinion around real quick, at least the ones that don't know how to think for themselves. So a lot of times as I wrap this segment up, I talk about to myself when I'm um, when I'm in a situation that I just won't let die. I won't I won't let it go. I won't stop trying. Whether it's a relationship, I remember the, the last one I had with this girl that treated me like spit, And uh, but except for when things were going good and then she got her way and then things were great. And after a while, I kept trying and I kept trying. And I remember talking to a friend of mine. I just I said, you know what? I just sat down one day. I said, what are you doing? What are you doing? Reevaluate this, man. This doesn't make sense. And I, you know, I've done that with lots of other things that I, that I couldn't stop uh, obsessing over because that's just the way, you know, that's just the way I am. And I think a lot of us you know, can do that. And it's just, it's a simple thing. I ask myself, what are you doing? What is this? What are you accomplishing here? And that's the way I look at the American government going forward. It's been happening since I've been an adult for the most part. It's been changing since nine 11 because that was just such a, such a, um, uh, an emotional uh, shift in Americans' uh, way of thinking towards the rest of the world. Maybe, maybe not since you know, since our great great grandparents and grandparents were alive, when which none of us alive for the most part can understand that because that's just a history lesson to us. Just like a lot of people who are now twenty years old who are just reading about nine eleven. But now it's just you can't side with the other side. We are a uh, we are a country that is at basically an ideological civil war and our politicians are all 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 and always have been, but completely now uh, run by lobbyists and run by who they think that the base is gonna vote for. And the Democrats right now can't dare vote to give that five and a half billion because they might lose their seat. They might lose their uh, their political future and and that's true on both sides, and that's all it's based around now. And that's wrong. And it makes me want to say, what are we doing here? What are we trying to accomplish? I wish I had a good answer for you. I wish I had something that would be like, here's the answer, everybody. But I don't have it. But what I do know is that the American public walking around, the average dullard, the average numbnut, can't remember what happened last week, let alone a year or two years ago. He's a race-baiting, xenophobic, religious bigot. Nobody remembers that. Nobody remembers that. I think he's a kook. I think he's crazy. I think he's unfit for office. Oh, yeah, Lindsey Graham? Is that right? Coming up next, Gillette has taken a page out of the Nike advertising campaign playbook and is a new wave, a new brand, a new breed of advertising, and I think it's brilliant. This is the Stone On Air podcast, the weekly dose for January 16th, 2019, and I'll be right back. This town and I can't hold out forever Even walls fall down Stone on air, we'll be right back Oh darling, what juicy gossip 
I've chosen to cross different parts of the media world, done the work so that I'm qualified to be in each one. I never considered my color the issue. I considered my qualifications the issue. Well, David, you know, that that's a whole nother long conversation about white privilege and things that you have the privilege of doing that people of color don't have the privilege of. How do and I have the privilege of white privilege? David, by virtue of being a white male, you have white privilege. This whole long conversation, I don't have time to get Ariva, I hate to break it to you, you but you should have been better prepped. I'm black. Okay, then I stand... See, you went to white privilege. This is the falsehood in this. You come with this assumption and you go to white privilege. This is part of the problem with driving a narrative around a construct like white privilege. Privilege is one thing. We're applied wealth, economy, uh, various social factors, but not necessarily determined by color of skin. Now, what did that have to do with this segment? Not a ton. Uh, I might get into it more at another time, but it just kind of started surfacing on social media on Tuesday, and I just couldn't help but throw it out there. That is David Webb. His radio show on XM Satellite Radio. He's also a contributor to Fox News and um, and a black man, as you just heard. And then his guest was an African-American woman who is a contributor for CNN. And I uh, didn't get her name. And to be honest with you, I don't really care what her name is. Clearly, she is overzealous. And clearly, this is the kind of thing that we're having trouble with. When we try to uh, to to pick fights, have arguments, have debates, have conversations, and it is the reason why Don Trump calls CNN fake news. She's on an uh, on an, a phone interview with a African American host and immediately calls him out for white privilege. Oh, what are we doing? There's a, there's a question. What are you doing? What are you doing? And I, I'm talking about my girlfriend earlier in the generational gap. We had a little mini uh, debate about what is or isn't white privilege the other day. And do I believe that it's a thing? Of Yes, 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 yes. But it doesn't always have to be the go-to talking point because uh, clearly people are lazy with it. The woman didn't even know who she was talking to. And it's embarrassing. It's cringeworthy, as a matter of fact. And it makes... It makes people who I probably overall ideologically uh, relate to and agree with. It makes they they make me look dumb, right? They they make other people of the party of the supporters look like idiots when in, in reality it's just it's it's just the other side of rebel rousing that I accuse Donald Trump of all the time. All right, so on the final way out here, I had this uh, <clears throat> article from, uh, where did it come from? Hell, I don't know. It doesn't matter now because I'm not going to read it um, because it's long and it's uh, it's not important to the uh, to the point of this, this segment, which I'm going to hopefully keep uh, a little shorter. I'd like to wrap this up here pretty soon. What I am going to do is play this entire commercial audio-wise, which doesn't work that well through only audio, but... The, the chances are you've seen it already, and if you haven't, you will soon. And so it, it and it's still the the uh, narration of the video, the audio only still gets the point across of what the um, the ad is about. It's for Gillette Razors, the overall company, and it is kind of calling out dudes for being um, for being assholes for a long time. Another thing I got into an argument, or we'll just call it a strong debate with uh, with my girlfriend recently was the boys will be boys thing. And it is interesting that we were just talking about that over this weekend, and I kind of disagreed with her, and I think I was wrong. I think I was wrong right and now. That's exactly what this ad is all about. So I'm going to play it now. We'll talk more about it on the other side. Bullying. The Me Too the movement against sexual harassment. masculinity. Is this the best a man can get? Is it? We can't hide from it. It's been going on far too long. We can't laugh it off. Who's the daddy? What I actually think she's trying to say. Making the same old excuses. 
Boys will be boys. Boys will be boys. Boys will be boys. But something finally changed. Allegations regarding sexual assault and sexual harassment. And there will be no going back. Because we, we believe in the best in men. Men need to hold other men accountable. Smile, sweetie. Come on. To say the right thing. To act the right way. Bro, not cool, not cool. Some already are. In ways big. Yo, men, And small. I am strong. I am strong. But some is not enough. It's not how we treat each other, okay? Okay. Because the boys watching today will be the men of tomorrow. That is the new the audio from the new Gillette ad. I got this tweet today from a longtime listener and regular social media interaction. Uh, uh, I, I wouldn't call him a friend. I've never met him, but uh, again, a longtime uh, person I've interacted with. It says, uh, just his tweet was, it's funny how people get bent out of shape over every little thing. When did this start? I guess I've been living under a rock for the past 15 years, and he stole my use of the hashtag fake outrage. That's fine, Brett. Use it all you want. I retweeted him with the comment, zero emotional self-control out there, childlike tendencies. It's embarrassing and a shameful way to conduct oneself. He replied, I agree. Have you seen the Gillette commercial that everyone is having the latest spaz attack over? When did men stop being men? I drink whiskey, love cars and women. I don't have a problem. To your point, though, I just keep to myself and laugh at everyone else. And I, I don't know exactly his point there. When did men stop being men? That's kind of that uh, that old uh, uh, post-World War II thing. I, I'm not sure what he meant by that. It doesn't matter. His point is still the same that you know people losing their minds and losing their um, their self emotional self control on social media over something like this. And what Gillette has done has done the same thing that Nike did with the um, what oh hell what do they call it? it was it was the Colin Kaepernick thing. I I gave up everything for a stand whatever the hell it was. I don't even remember. I don't even remember. And here here's the thing with Gillette. They have realized in in a different way, completely, as Nike realized, that their market share is shifting. Their market share is dwindling. And what Gillette has done over the last, well, two, you know, 20, 30 years at least, at least in my generation, generation and a half, has established themselves as a market leader for razor. Uh, manufacturing. I don't know about their creams and shaving creams and balms and all that. I don't use any of that. But I have been a firm believer, not because the commercials told me to, but because I've used the products. Gillette is the gold standard, or at least was the gold standard, of uh, of of shaving of handheld razors and maybe electric ones too, as well. And what they did because of this dominance. They uh, they got a little uh, uh, probably too big for their uh, you know for for their britches if you will, and started to kind of monopolize the industry because a lot of people's face is a very delicate portion of their body, and a lot of people don't. I mean, sh- shaving is a very brand loyal kind of uh, commodity. Now, certainly not with everybody. Absolutely, certainly not with everybody. But many men. Are, and Gillette had cornered the market as the best. Now, when it comes to toothpaste, I don't care if it's Colgate or Aquafresh or whatever. I'm just going to buy the cheap toothpaste and 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 go from there. The mouthwash, I don't care about that. But when it comes to my razors, I want Gillette. But what has happened over the course of the last, oh, I don't know, at least five years? Maybe closer to going on ten now, but we'll just say five for argument's sake. Dollar Shave Club. Harry's, just two specifically, that targeted Gillette and went after them as saying, how dare this company charge you so much for something that's so inexpensive to make? Now, I've never used a Harry's razor. I've never used a Dollar Shave Club razor. Mainly why? It's because they're subscription services, and I don't need razors sent to me every month. 
I mean, before I grew this beard out, which will be gone by April, I would say, I still only shave once a week, every Monday. So I don't need, you know, I don't need to get into subscription services. But a lot of people do. And they made great targeted advertising saying, why are you subjecting yourself to this absolutely so overpriced and really, truly a buying experience that is miserable because they're so overpriced, they have to be locked up behind counters and in, in plastic boxes, security boxes, because people are stealing the damn things because they're so expensive. And Harry's and Dollar Shave Club have taken advantage of that and have been just chewing in to Gillette's market share for a while. Well, guess what they have done since then? Lots of reactive advertising, talking about their their American-made um, uh, factories that, that, that put together these blades. The most you know effective blades ever at the cheapest price now where you can also get them in subscription services. Complete uh, reactionary advertising, but, but done pretty well. And I find this to be absolutely brilliant because you know what they've done? They've done the same thing as Nike. They know that because of somebody who wants a comfortable shave, they're going to say today, oh, screw Gillette. Oh, I'm mad. I'm going to put something on Twitter. God damn it, I'm pissed off. I'm not doing this ever again. Yeah, right. Yes, you are. You're going to buy these razors again as soon as you forget about this commercial in a week. Numb nut. They know that's going to happen. They're going to keep the people that want the simplicity of their life of a, of a comfortable shave. And they also understand that going forward, progressive companies like Dollar Shave Club and Harry's are doing such a good job of target advertising and getting people to leave the high-priced Gillette. And sometimes people aren't as brand loyal. And they realize that if they come out and do something progressive like this and talk about men, we're men, we can be just as strong as we ever wanted to be, but we can also be more compassionate, we can be more progressive, we can can make better change, we can be more vocal about this, they're going to grab some of those Harry's and Dollar Shave Club members who are in their 20s and 30s who said, screw you, Gillette, I'm not paying 15 bucks for a cartridge of four of these damn things, even though they're that good. And they might remember that commercial that was just really well done and produced. Whether you like the the content or not is not the point. It's a very well done commercial. It's strategic, brilliantly placed advertising that the same thing that Nike did and all it's going to do is increase their profits. There's more progressive and liberal people in this country than there ever has been. And every generation, there's more. That doesn't mean they're going to win the electoral college at the, at the 2020 election or the 2024 or the 2028 or the 2032. But that's not the point. They don't give a shit who the president is. Gillette and Nike care who their consumers are. And they know the fake outrage of I'll never buy a Nike shirt again because you never were going to buy one anyway. And Gillette knows that they might lose one razor sale, but they all they've been doing is losing razor sales. What they might do is tap in to the younger millennial and, and young Gen Xers and the next generation that's just starting to shave now. Hey, that Gillette company sure seems to kind of get it, right? Now, it doesn't mean that they do. It doesn't mean that it's genuine. It doesn't mean that it's true. But there might be a wave of young people seeing this all over social media today and be like, man, Gillette. The, Patri- the Patriots play, not at home this weekend, but they, they're one of the most dominating football teams in the history of, of the sport, and they play at Gillette Stadium. And, the, you know, Tom Brady and the Patriots, Gillette, they, these guys, they care. No, they probably don't care at all. It's not the point. The point isn't do they care. The point is they want your sales, and they might have just got them. I think it was brilliant. <sighs> all right, that's about all I got for the second podcast of the year. Any new listeners? I don't know that I ever have any, but I sure hope I do. My name is Brian Stone. You can find me on all social media, at Stone On Air. On uh, Twitter, I love. Instagram, I like. Snapchat, I tolerate. Facebook, I loathe, yet still participate in it. Monday through Friday here in Chattanooga, Tennessee, I am on a alternative music radio station, a very small little FM wattage station here in town that I certainly do enjoy that you can find at alt98.com or alt98.7 here locally. If you listen on any uh, podcasting app that allows for reviews or rating or four stars or five stars or one star or you think the show sucks or whatever, I'd appreciate 
If you would leave a review saying what you think about the show, good, bad, indifferent, or otherwise, if you don't feel like doing that, because I understand that that's a little bit of a headache and you probably have something better to do, I understand that, and I still value your uh, listenership and uh, certainly do understand that there are a lot of options for your eyes and your ears and the fact that you give this or the radio show any amount of, uh, of attention is uh, something that is very important to me. The show is every Wednesday, your midweek download destination for thousands. The truth is easy to remember. That's why black lies matter. White lies matter. All lying matters. And we'll do it again next Wednesday. Y'all have a great week. Take care. Bye. I'm not going to spend my life being a color. you agree with me when I saw you kicking dirt in my Black or white I said, I'm thinking up in my baby It don't matter if you're black